0: The Christmas season is officially here, my favorite time of the year. I love the twinkling lights. I love all the peppermint flavored things. I love the spirit of giving. I love that people are a little more cheery most of the time. And I love the reason for the season to focus a little more on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I'm sharing seven simple ways that I've found to be very effective to really put Christ in the center of your Christmas. this is going to be a first for me. I'm doing a truly solo only me talking episode, which is a little weird for me. I'm so used to leaning on the crutch of having Neil to talk back and forth with. He actually is here with me, but he's severely suffering from, well, not really severely suffering, but getting over a cold. And he has this thing where his body decides to just have like a gnarly cough for like weeks on end after he has a cold. So he's in that phase right now. So not really able to speak very well. So I said, okay, that's all right. I'll, I'll take this one. And, and I wish we were both podcasting together tonight because it's kind of a cool episode. It's our 200th episode. And if you are a newer listener, just so you know, this is how the podcast came to be. Neil and I really love to attend the temple together. We can't go right now, but that's a, a religious place where we go and worship and also try to seek counsel from God and what he wants us to do and direction. And there were a few, so we started this podcast almost four years ago and for several months leading up to it, I kept having this feeling in the temple over and over. You need to start a podcast. You need to start a podcast. And then it would wake me up out of a dead sleep. Like I would be sleeping and I'd wake up and it would be like, you need to start a podcast. So we finally did. And it truly has been such a joy and something that I am never, I never feel dread over this. It's never like, oh, I got to go to work. Like I got to do a podcast. It's probably my favorite thing that we do. And I think a big part of that is because we get to share our testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ pretty often here. And so one of the topics that was requested recently when I put out a question box on Instagram was, can you talk about how to have a Christ-centered Christmas? And since we're entering the Christmas season officially, even for people who are like diehard respect Thanksgiving people like my sister and my mom, when this comes out, it will be post Thanksgiving. So we're officially into the actual real Christmas season now when this comes out. I wanted to give you seven ways that I thought of that you could have a more Christ-centered Christmas. So the first one's an easy one. It's like a dead giveaway. First thing that most people who are members of my church will think about, it's become really popular in a lot of Christian cultures, not just our church, but it is called the Light the World Campaign, So if you go to lighttheworld.org, you can sign up for daily prompts and they'll text you every day during the Christmas season for 25 days. So December 1st through the 25th with ideas, very simple, very doable, very easy ideas on how to serve and how to have a Christ-centered Christmas and how to do things that the Savior would do or that He would want you to do. It's pretty cool. They actually came up with a list of 50 simple things this year and they are more doable and more simple than I've ever seen them. So things like support a local small business or Neil got a good laugh out of go caroling with a group. He was like, do people really do that still? But I think some people do. It's probably not the one I would choose, especially right now. But some other things on here, give a hug to a friend, host a family game night text someone, I'm grateful for you. So lots of very, very simple ideas, but this keeps me going. It gives me momentum. We've been doing it for several years. I think the first year that they did Light the World was 2017. And I profoundly remember my Christmas being so different that year because there was a Light the World one day at a time, For 25 days, and I posted about that and posted so many experiences and pieces of my testimony and things that I maybe never would have been prompted to share had I not had that excuse to be following those light the world daily prompts. And it really led to some very cool miracles in my life. But ever since then, that's just become our new tradition, our family's favorite tradition of really putting. Jesus Christ in the center of our Christmas. And I love it. Look forward to it so much. It's one of my favorite things about my favorite time of the year. So again, if you go to lighttheworld.org, you can sign up to get those texts every day. And they're just these simple reminders of what you can do that day. And I don't know for sure if it's going to work this way, but in years past, they will say, oh, if this prompt doesn't work for you, go to this link for more ideas or whatever. I'm, I'm guessing they'll do something like that again this year. So the next thing is, takes me all the way back to my childhood, and that is the giving manger or even just getting a little bed of hay and then a a place to write down acts of kindness or acts of service. And this is something that my mom did growing up. She had like a little, all these little pieces of paper and a jar and then a place for baby Jesus to go, and we would take a piece of straw out or hay out of this, you know, baggie of hay and put a piece into the manger every time we did something nice for someone. So it was supposed to be anonymous things. So things like you made someone's bed, or you were kind to someone at school, or you Went out of your way to talk to a new person or whatever. And so we would write these little things down and then share them on Christmas morning. And it usually made my mom kind of teary and emotional. And now I understand why. But what's really cool is our friends at the Giving Manger put together this whole thing. And there's a beautiful book and a manger and a baby Jesus and the hay, everything you need for that. So you certainly don't have to buy that, but it's something that I've loved that we've adopted into our family. But the adult version of that, I mean, you can absolutely do it with your kids and do it as a whole family. But once the kids in my family, my family of origin, like my mom and dad and siblings, once we got older and we had mostly all were, if not all, moved out of the house, my mom one year was like, okay, it's kind of sad. There's nobody here to put the hay in the manger. So she said, we got to do something else. So she came up with this idea of giving a gift to Jesus. And this has transformed my life. I'm telling you, each year that I've chosen something, a corresponding miracle has happened in my life that correlates to the gift that I chose to commit to give to Jesus that year. So some of the things that I've given or focused on are like learning to love to read the scriptures. The year I did that, was the year that I truly fell in love with reading my scriptures every morning, which was something that I never enjoyed doing. It was always something that I kind of dreaded and I wasn't good at. And I really grew a testimony of the Lord being able to make weak things strong if you are willing to put in the effort. And I've done things that are trying to give a gift to Jesus in my marriage or sharing the gospel or this year, all year. I tried to be of good cheer, which is funny because it's almost like God laughed a little bit and said, okay, well, I'm going to ground you to your bed for half the year and see how you do with that. See if you can have a good attitude about being on bed rest. But I really have learned that you can have a positive mindset and it can change everything no matter how difficult your circumstances are or if you feel like you're going crazy because you're in the same room all day, every day. There was a year where I tried to seek forgiveness immediately every any time that I realized I was wrong and it changed the tone of our marriage. And I feel like that that habit has stuck with us and just changed our marriage for the better. If this sounds like something that you'd like to do, what I would challenge you to do is during this Christmas season to pray each day, ponder about it, and when it's the right time, The Lord will show you what that gift is that he would like you to give. And it's happened to me every year where sometimes it takes me a few weeks to figure it out, but it always manifests itself. It always comes up either in my thoughts or in something I read or in an interaction with someone. One year I was reading my scriptures and these lines jumped out at me in not the sequence exactly that they were written in, but. Like it jumped from one verse to another, to another. And it made sense when I read it all together. And that was, it was very easy for me to see that that is what the Lord wanted me to do that year. And it was an amazing change in my family and in my marriage, that gift that I tried to give to Jesus that year. I mean, that's something I'm for sure going to be doing this year. And that's something that I promise you that you will get way more out of that gift than you actually are giving. It's kind of funny how it works that way, but it's really an incredible experience to give a gift to Jesus and then just watch the miracle that happens. So my next idea for having a Christ-centered Christmas, so this would be number three, is to seek and expect miracles. And this is not an idea I came up with. This came from the president of our church, Russell M. Nelson. I've been doing this more recently. I've been writing in my spiritual journal, just when a miracle happens, I try to write it down so that I don't forget about it. And just having that focus of where did I see God today can really, really change your outlook, your perspective, the way that you go about your day if you're looking for it, you know? Have you ever noticed when you buy a white car, suddenly everyone else is driving a white car? It's kind of like that, where if you are training your mind to look for ways that God is blessing you or giving you miracles, you suddenly have so many more. You see a lot more. And then if you record them too, it's really cool to look back on even those small ways that you saw God or that you saw a miracle or a tender mercy. And the other day when I was feeling kind of weak and feeling kind of down. I was like I'm going to I'm going to force myself to sit down and write every miracle that I can think of that have hap- that's happened recently. And I couldn't believe how they just were they just kept flowing and I was going and going and writing and writing. That's one thing I think you can do to have a Christ-centered Christmas is to seek and expect miracles and look for God in all of the little ways and then write those things down. You will bless the people around you, and you'll bless yourself if you are taking the time to focus on where God is in your life. Because God is in the details. He's always in the details of our lives. Okay, number four, another thing that I got from the president of our church, Russell M. Nelson, recently, who we believe is our prophet, and he suggested that we keep a prayer journal to kneel down and ask the Lord what He wants us to do, and then write down our impressions and act on them immediately. So can you imagine if during the Christmas season, every day, all you do is you just start out your day by asking Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do today? You do have to like give Him a minute to give you some inspiration. And then as soon as it comes— write it down. So this might be a note on your phone. This might be a little notebook that you keep with you or at your bedside. I have one at my bedside. And then commit to actually really acting on whatever He tells you to do. And I mean, that's a wonderful way, I think, to have a Christ-centered Christmas. And I don't have a ton of experience in it because it's kind of a newer thing for me, but it is really, really cool to see when you ask God, okay, what do you want me to do? And then when he gives you a nudge and says, okay, here's the thing that I need you to do. And you do it even if, and not only even if, but especially when it doesn't make sense, oftentimes those experiences are the coolest experiences. That's when like some of the really, really profound miracles have happened for me or for us in our lives, I feel like, is when we do something that kind of doesn't make sense, but we both feel, or I feel, or whatever, like God's telling us to do something, and then you sit back and you watch all the pieces of the puzzle fall together, and then you can say, oh, okay, I see now. I see, God, what you were doing here. I think that's a great way to keep Christ in the center of your Christmas is to every day just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do today? Write it down and act on it. Number five is the anti Scrooge. So, this would be giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, looking at people with a positive outlook, trying to see the best in everyone. Everybody is going through something hard right now. Neil and I were talking about this earlier today. Everyone is stressed, everyone's going through a hard time. Even though I do think that people are more charitable and more giving and happier and kinder in a lot of ways. There's also a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. There are a lot of events. There's a lot of things to pay for. There's a lot of heavy burdens people are carrying, especially around the holidays. And so I have to tell you about this experience that I had a few years ago in in, an In-N-Out drive-through. So at the In-N-Out closest to our house, there's kind of an intersection and it's really awkward where there's two different ways you can come into the line for in and out like the drive-through line. I was definitely in the correct line if, and and then there was like a merge line, right? It was my turn, like it was my right of way or whatever. So I kind of started to inch out and then this huge truck, like I was in a big car, I was in an SUV, but this truck, you know what I'm talking about, where there are those trucks that are like lifted, the tires are six times bigger than they should be. And it was that kind of a thing. And this guy like kind of revved his engine and got mad. And I was like, oh, I, and I rolled down my window and I just said to him, I'm so sorry. Go ahead of me. Like I wasn't trying to jump you in the line. So he gets in front of me and, and I easily could have like picked a fight with him or given him a dirty look or something like that. But I just was like, hey, no, I'm not in a hurry. Sorry. I didn't mean to like cut you off. So he gets in line in front of me and we get to I get to the part where I'm about to pay for my food and the person that is supposed to take my money says, "Oh, the the guy in the truck in front of you, he paid for your food." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so nice." And all because I didn't get grumpy back with him. He was like really mad when he thought I was cutting him off. But there's opportunities like that all around us to just like soften the edges to Assume the best of each other, to seek out ways to be a peacemaker, to just see the good in other people. Because nine times out of 10, too, and probably like 9.9 times out of 10, it's not even about you. Like, whatever that guy was grumpy about, it probably actually didn't even have anything to do with him thinking I cut him off. He probably Mm -hmm. came from a really stressful work day or he was running late for something. And then I think because I didn't meet his anger with more anger, it really softened the situation. And then he did something super nice in return for me. There is such a great opportunity there to be the anti-Scrooge, to look around and see how you can just give people the benefit of the doubt, see the best in others. Okay, number six goes a little bit back to light the world but it's to share your light. So Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. This matters a lot, I think, because I used to feel like, okay, you don't, and I'm probably going to get this scripture wrong and Neil could correct me if he was speaking, but there's like a scripture where it's like, you don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing or whatever you don't pray in front of everybody and you don't do things so that people will know what you're doing is charitable. And I used to really feel that way like the very the first like several years that we had a blog and a social media presence, we would give and there were a lot of situations where we gave a very significant amount or gave to lots of organizations or causes and I just never said anything because I didn't ever want to draw attention to myself. I didn't ever want it to be like, "Oh, look at me. I'm so great." But what I learned from doing Light the World that very first year and sharing all these bits and pieces of my testimony and my heart and the ways we were giving and how we were serving our community is that it it kind of just spread. You know, it helped spread that light. It helped spread that fiery, warm Christmas spirit of, yeah, let's all be in this together. Let's all give. Let's all serve. And if you think about the alternative of all the other things that we're sharing on the internet. I saw a post today that I commented on. For whatever reason, my comment spurred several hundred comments underneath it. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever been in, caught in the crossfire of people's social media battles, and I got caught in one of those today. And it was people just arguing with each other, arguing over different viewpoints and So if you think about stuff like that and how people just get riled up and they get angry, and that's a lot of times what we see on social media is just outrage and anger and negativity. In the alternative, you can be sharing your light. You can be sharing good things that you're doing with your family or little bits and pieces of your testimony or even things that you see that other people have posted that are uplifting to you. Maybe you see a quote. Maybe you see a story. Maybe you see. I always love it when people reshare those like um, good news moments or the little, you know, accounts that just go around and find happy or good things that like good deeds that people do. So anything like that, where you can share light, like let your light shine and let others see and glorify God, that is a great way to have a Christ-centered Christmas. And there are a lot of people like me who, for whatever reason, maybe you have a really busy schedule with your kids or you are working yourself to the bone or whatever, and you can't necessarily get out and do lots of like time on your feet or time out in the community type of service this year, but you can actually do such a great service to Jesus Christ and honoring His birth by sharing things that glorify Him and sharing things that would make Him happy. And so going back to the light, the world prompts, those are great because you can just do them quietly, or if this is something that you feel called to do, or maybe it's just a couple of the things that you end up doing. You share that, it might give someone an idea, or it might inspire someone to think, oh, hey, I could do that. Or it might just warm someone's heart when they're having a hard time. And I feel like that happens to me all the time where I see other uplifting things that other people post, and I feel so grateful that they were willing to put something out there that brought more light and love into the world. So don't let Satan tell you that, don't talk about the good things that you're doing, because then you'll look like you're just bragging. Because we know from the scriptures that this is what God would want is to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I can't think of a better way to do that than social media. I know that social media gets a bad rap a lot, but I am such an advocate of looking at social media as an absolute gift from God that allows us to reach a huge amount of people. Even if you're not a traditional influencer or whatever, Even if you are, the average person I think on social media has like 150 followers. So even if you have 150 followers, that's 150 people that it would be so hard to get them all to show up and sit through a speech or a talk that you were going to give or something. But if they're sitting and scrolling on their phone, you might reach those same people with a really positive, wonderful message because of the power and gift of social media. Okay, last thing, and I shared this recently, this is number seven, give with your abundance. And I talked about this in a reel recently about how we don't sell our clothes anymore. We did that for years. We would do these closet sales and I think the Instagram account still exists, although we never post on it anymore. And it was called Mintero Closet. I would go through and just, and I actually had, usually had like a part-time employee that would work with me on this and I'd go through and I'd just get all the clothes that I wore like one time, usually one time maybe two times. So they were nearly brand new. Shoes, clothes, jeans, sweaters, you name it, bags, you know, all the things. And then this assistant would take pictures of all those things. We would post all of them. We'd make a decent amount of money back and then I would just funnel that back into the business and buy the next round of clothes for the next season. And we did that seasonally. We did it like probably four times a year. And it was a great business model for being able to continue to buy clothes for the fashion blog that was, and still is the main source of our income. But there was a time where I was actually watching The Chosen, which I love so much. I love that series. And there was something that Jesus said in The Chosen that made me think of, where he's talking about, well, where was I hungry and you fed me? And where was I naked and you clothed me? And the naked and you clothed me part really jumped out at me. And I was like, okay, this is what Jesus taught us is when you do this for someone else, it's literally as if you did this for me. So if Jesus showed up to my house today and needed some brand new clothes, And we had this abundance, I would be like, yes, take anything, take whatever you need. And I thought about it and I thought, we don't need to sell these clothes. Like, sure, it helps with the business expenses and whatever, but we can give these away. And what we can also do is with most of these places that receive donations, and probably a lot of it's like really worn out or it's kind of seen its better days and it's kind of not looking as great anymore. We have this really, unique situation where I have all these clothes, way more than I could ever use or need for myself because of our business that are practically brand new. So why don't we just give them away? Every time we do that, it just, it feels so good knowing that we're taking something that we have an abundance of and giving it away. And I know that we have a little bit of a weird situation with me having a fashion blog, but I guarantee you there's a way That you could take something that you have an abundance of, even if it's just a personal gift, and give that away to someone. So I like to go through that scripture when I'm thinking about this or teaching it to people. I like that part where he talks about, I was a stranger and you visited me. So maybe you are really good at being a friend. Maybe that's your gift. Like you gather people. It's easy for you to make plans. You make friends wherever you go. That is so easy to just look around and see all the people who feel lonely. There's so many people who feel that way. So you could just take that gift of abundance of making friends easily and just include some new people, some people that you know could use an invitation or that I was a prisoner and you came unto me. Like There are people who feel imprisoned in... Addiction or in struggles that maybe you have gone through something that someone else that you know of is now going through, and you can visit them in that, in that like prison, in that difficult situation. I can't tell you how much it's meant to me. My friends who have come and just sat and talked to me while I've been on bed rest, it's been such a huge gift of something that I couldn't do for myself. I can't get out, I can't like go hang out with people. So the people who have come and visited me in my little personal prison of bed rest, it has really meant a lot to me. The part where Jesus says, I was in hunger and he gave me meat and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. If you are really good at cooking, like my mom has this incredible, beautiful gift of making amazing food. She growing up was always the person who was like, Somebody needs a meal. I'm there. When can I bring it? Or she would call people. She taught me this. And this was such a beautiful lesson for her to teach me is to not say, oh, let me know if you need anything, but to call someone who, you know, is struggling and say, I'm bringing you dinner this week. Like what night works for you? Or can I bring it on Wednesday or is Tuesday better or Wednesday better? And I have a friend, Amy, who is so amazing at this. And she's this week has been doing that for my family. And today she showed up with a Diet Coke and just sat and talked to me. And then this week during Thanksgiving, there's a couple things that I was just going to like do for like some frozen rolls. And she was like, no, 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 I'm bringing you rolls. I'm going to make you homemade rolls because that is her gift. One of her many gifts is cooking. And maybe that's not yours, but if it is. If that's something you have an abundance of, and it's really easy, and it brings you joy, and you're already cooking for your family, and you love to do that, and that's a talent of yours, you can give that away. You can give that to others, and that can be such a wonderful gift to Jesus and a way to have a Christ-centered Christmas. So there are lots and lots of ways that I feel like our Heavenly Father has blessed a lot of people with an abundance of something that maybe you're good at that, someone else isn't and you can give that away and it's literally just as if you did it for the savior himself. So I hope these seven ideas gave you, you know, a little bit to think about if you're trying to have a Christ-centered Christmas. I'll go over them one more time. So lighttheworld.org get the 50 ideas, sign up for the daily prompts. It'll keep you on schedule. It'll give you very simple ideas of how you can bring Jesus into your Christmas. The second one is to do either the little giving manger with your family. You don't have to buy the kit. You can. I love it. It made it easier for us to do with our little family or write a letter to Jesus and pray and ponder and come up with a gift to give Jesus. The next one, number three, is to seek and expect miracles. Look for God in your life. Write down the miracles so that you remember them. Number four is the prayer journal to pray and ask God what he wants you to do that day and then immediately write it down when you get that revelation and be committed to act upon it immediately and then watch miracles happen. So number five is the anti-scrooge. So just committing to seeing the best in everyone and looking for ways to be a peacemaker and just soften the edges of the world around us. Number six is to share your light. To not be timid, but to share things that inspire you or uplift you. Quotes, ideas, scriptures, little pieces of your testimony, good things that you're doing for others. And number seven is to give with your abundance. So I hope you have a very Merry Christmas season. And thanks for being one of our listeners on this 200th episode. We love you and appreciate you so much.